us tonight to the 50th Psalm, the 50th Psalm. It's hard to turn anywhere in the Psalms without wanting to look at a great number of verses in whatever Psalm it is that you're turning to. And uh, tonight I want to focus on just one verse. It's very tempting to read especially the verse before verse 15. But tonight I want us to think about, again, the importance of prayer, and, uh, and we're going to look at this one verse. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. I've said on several different occasions that when I first got saved, there there were two things that I think helped me as a young Christian more than more than anything. I, I know that that actually actually there were three things. Number one, you know, being exposed to the teaching of God's word, you can't grow without that. But uh, but also there was the the fellowship with God's people. There were several young couples in the church that, and I've often used this phrase that you couldn't backslide if you want to, because we had we had some people in the church, uh, folks about my age, but they were some of them seasoned Christians. We had one redheaded deacon; he's dead and gone to heaven now. And, uh, but I'll never remember or forget Paul, and he. Uh, he was the kind of guy that I mean he was determined I was not going to get out of the will of God and uh, you know it could be so aggravating on one hand but you know thank God for people like that and uh, we spent a lot of time together uh, Sunday afternoons uh, somebody was always at somebody's house uh, you know we, we we didn't go out to eat somewhere uh, we went to someone's house or we had people over. At our house, that came later, but at first, one week we'd be over at the, this family, and the next week over at that family. Sunday night, basically the same thing, and a lot of times Wednesday night. And the, the interaction with other Christians uh, was one of the things that, that helped me more than anything. But the other thing is that every Sunday evening before the service, we had a prayer meeting. The, the, the men met in one place, the ladies in another, all of the teens met in, in another place. And, uh, and I'll never forget how impressed I was as a young Christian uh, to go in that prayer meeting and, uh, and just hear those men pour out their hearts to God in prayer. It made a drastic difference in my life. Uh, as a very young Christian, you know, I surrendered to preach two months after I was saved and, and started reading everything I could. And uh, one of the books I came across was a little book by an old Methodist preacher with the name of E.M. Bounds. I, uh, I've given away many copies of his books over the years. And, uh, uh, but, boy, that book, I started to say I got a hold of that book, but that book got a hold of me emphasizing the importance of prayer in a Christian's life. And I think if we took a survey tonight and I ask everyone, do you think prayer is important? We would all say, indeed, it is very important. We would all agree with that statement. But I think if we're honest, we'd have to say a lot of times we don't really treat prayer as though it is 
that important. Now, you might be the exception to that, uh, but, but I, I suspect that, that most of us fail a lot in that area. Now, last week, last week we took a journey through the book of Acts, and uh, we looked at many verses related to the subject of prayer, and I described how that early church uh, did everything they did uh, with prayer. That it was a part of every single ministry they had, every problem they faced, and uh, every difficulty that they encountered. And so tonight, I, I want us to—I want us to continue on with this thought of understanding the importance of prayer. And but tonight, I, I want you to, whenever we get down to the end of it, I want you to see the main reason for prayer—not just the importance of it, but the main reason for it. And there are five things in this verse that I want to call to your attention. First of all, the first thing about prayer is God demands prayer. This is just one of many verses in the Bible where we find this. The Bible again and again and again tells us that we ought to pray. Men ought always to pray and not to faint, Paul said. Well, notice here he says, and call Upon me. You know, sometimes we struggle to discern what God's will is for our lives. Sometimes it's just not as clear as, you know, as we would like for it to be. And sometimes we, you know, if we're honest, we just have to come to the conclusion that, you know, I'm just not sure what God wants me to do. I can remember whenever this church contacted me about coming here uh, as pastor, and uh, my first response was, no, I'm not interested. I, uh, I hadn't even thought about leaving, no, no plans uh, whatsoever, uh, no. And Brother Gilbert Wood, who was a deacon back then, and he's uh, in heaven now, but Gilbert said, uh, uh, well, would you pray about it? Well, how do you tell somebody, well, no, I'm not even going to pray about it. And I said, well, sure, I'll pray about it. And uh, and I did. He said, I'm going to call back tonight. And, uh, and he did. And, uh, and I said, yeah, you know, uh, I prayed about it. And I, I do think God wants me to come you know, and speak with you folks about that possibility. But a lot of times it's just not all that easy to know what God wants you to do. And we make major decisions in our lives, don't we? I mean, who are you going to marry? Where are you going to live? Where are you going to work? Every decision we make ought to be made with prayer. But there's one thing about it. Whenever it comes to knowing God's will in this regards, there's no question about that. And, you know, a lot of people, they get so so disturbed about, oh, if I just knew what God's will was for my life. I'll tell you what, there are a lot of things you don't need to pray about or think about, if you just go through the Bible and every time you find the command, you do it, it won't be long before you will know God's will in regards to all of those other things. And a part of this is that we are, we are to pray. God is not just giving us an invitation. He's not making a request. God is giving us a demand that we are to pray. So, If we are commanded to pray, then if we don't, what? We're living in disobedience, right? Think about that for a little while. And and disobedience, of course, is going to always get us in trouble. 
You know, it's real easy for us to look around and to, and to find somebody that's doing something that we know is contrary to the will of God, something that violates the clear teaching of the Scriptures, some particular sin that they are engaged in, and we look around at that person and we might even say to that person, look, you better repent, you better get that right, or you're going to get yourself in trouble with God. Right? Uh, it's real easy for me to look at you or you to look at me or somebody else and say, I see what you're doing and I know it's wrong and, 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 and I, I just wish you would change. I wish you would repent. Stop that. But look, folks, sometimes we're guilty of doing that in regards to others when our prayer life is on the rocks, so to speak. Our prayer life's not what it should be. And, we're, you know, it's like... I jotted down in my Bible years ago, and I forgot who the preacher was, but he said there's two kinds of Christians, soul winners and backsliders. You're either one or the other. And, and uh, he's right about that. If we're not trying to win souls, we're backslidden. Well, the fact of the matter is, if we're not praying, then we're living in disobedience to God. So here is a demand from God to pray. But notice, not only does he give us a demand, notice that God defines what prayer is. He says, call upon me. You know, some people are experts at making things more difficult than what they really are. Uh, you know, some of these Bible scholars that, you know, they... And by the way, I'm, I'm not at all against making reference to the Hebrew, to the Greek, in order to better understand what the English says. I'm all for that, so don't misunderstand me. But a lot of people... You know, they, they think that they've got to go into great detail, uh, about everything to the point that it ends up that, uh, that everybody's confused. Uh, I, I never forget an illustration that I, come, I found several years ago. And, uh, this was a, this was a church in the, in, in England. And they had an unusually low door going into the church, and so they had a, had a sign up over the door. I want to read that sign to you. It said, The height of this door is somewhat less than the average height of the human person. If, therefore, you are up to average or above in height, be especially careful how you approach and pass through, lest an accident ensue. Well, somebody finally got smart enough to realize that everybody's not going to read a big long warning sign like that, and so they just wrote up there, bend or bump. <laughs> Sometimes less is more. And whenever it comes to this matter of prayer, I, I, you know, I, I, several years ago I met a fella, uh, he, was a, he was a motivational speaker, and uh Charles Tremendous Jones. I don't know whether anybody ever heard of him or not, but I remember talking to him, and he's the one that came up, as far as I know, with that KISS principle, keep it simple, stupid. And we need to do that. And so when we talk about the matter of prayer, prayer is simply calling upon God. That's what it is right there. It's calling upon God. Now, there are different aspects to prayer that we'll look at in another message, but prayer is calling upon God. So in the very strictest sense, it is making our requests made known unto God. That's what God is demanding that we do. The third thing, the third thing I want you to notice in this verse is not only 
that God demands prayer and defines prayer, but God delights in our prayers. Now, you know, since God demands that we pray, then, you know, then He's pleased when we do. Uh, in Proverbs 15 and verse number 8, it says, The prayer of the upright is His delight. The prayer of the upright is His delight. So going back to our text here, where we're commanded to do something, and knowing that God is pleased with our obedience, then the prayer of the upright is something that God delights in. In fact, God is so pleased with prayer that He is constantly attuned to the attitude of our heart, even to the extent, this is over in Isaiah 65, 24, he says, before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Isn't that amazing? You know what that tells me? It tells me that we don't have to beg and we don't have to plead. We don't have to twist God's arm to get His attention. We don't have to overcome God's reluctance because God is waiting on us and ready to respond even before we pray. In Revelations 5, 8, where it speaks about the prayers of the saints uh, being likened unto incense unto God. Uh, as I was walking through the kitchen today, I made reference to something that Bev's got one of these little things that sits on the counter. I don't know what you put in it in any way. A light bulb comes on, it gets it hot, and it smells good. I said, wow, that really, that really smells good. It's a very pleasant uh, odor in the house. And uh, incense served that purpose. It was something very pleasing to the smell. And the Bible says that our prayers are like incense to God. It's something that God is pleased with. And it's amazing to think about us being able to please God with something so simple as prayer. And the wonderful thing about it is that God is so pleased with it, He takes measures in order to promote it. In other words, sometimes if we're neglecting prayer, God will will do something or allow something that will cause us to pray. In other words, God wants your attention. God wants your attention. He wants you to pray. And He knows how to get our attention, right? He knows how to get our attention. And so we see that prayer is demanded by the Lord, defined by the Lord, and it delights the Lord... But notice here, he also declares the need for prayer. Notice he says, call upon me in the day of trouble. Now remember, Job said in chapter 14 and verse 1, man that's born of woman is few days and what? Full of trouble. Full of trouble. So if there's any one word that characterizes your life, it's the word trouble. You had trouble today, you're going to have trouble tomorrow, you're going to have trouble of some kind every day that you're on this earth. And so here we find that word describing the reason why we need to pray. God wants us to see how greatly we need Him. He wants us to understand how dependent we are upon Him. And uh, and consequently, when troubles arise... It has a way of opening our eyes as to our need of God. If God governs in the affairs of man, and He does, by the way, 
And if he's seeking to draw us unto himself, and he is, then we can rest assured that nothing ever happens by accident. God either causes it or God allows it. And so if nothing happens by accident, if the whirlwind is in his hands, if he has his way in the whirlwind, if he's in control of everything that happens, somebody, I was talking to someone today and somebody had told them because they were going through hard times, had told them, well, you must be doing something wrong. You must be out of God's will, which is sheer nonsense. That's just not true. You can be right in the center of God's perfect will. You cannot be doing anything wrong, and you can have a world of trouble. So regardless of who you are, there are going to be times that you are going to find yourself in desperate need of God's help because you're going to be in trouble. And the same God that created the heaven and the earth, think about this. The same God that created the heaven and the earth and not only created, but is presently controlling this whole thing, He is taking an interest in your life right now. He is aware of everything that's going on in your life. And as a result of that, He does what is needful to draw you closer and closer to Himself. God wants to hear from you. Uh, the other day I was writing an article, I still haven't finished it, but uh, I think the title was Cut Off, something like that. And I started out by using the illustration of getting cut off in traffic, a bit irritating, right? I mean, here you are going down the highway and somebody comes around you and, man, they, they just cut you off. They endanger you and everybody in the automobile. Well, that's one way of getting cut off. But then there are other ways of getting cut off. Sometimes people just cut you off. You, you know what I mean? That old friend that you haven't heard from in years and you don't know what happened, but for some reason they just cut you off. I had that happen to my very dearest, closest friend on earth. That happened to me many years ago. In fact, it was the fellow responsible for getting me in church. And uh, there reached a point in our relationship, he just cut me off. He wanted absolutely nothing to do with me, didn't want to talk to me. Uh, I mean, he wasn't rude about it, just wouldn't answer the phone, just wouldn't respond. He just, he just didn't want anything to do with me. I, I, I've, got, I've got a few preacher friends, well, I mean, I, I thought they were friends that cut me off. I've got one preacher friend cut me off because we've got drums in the church. I haven't heard from him since. He came to one of our Bible conferences years ago. You know, we had drums in the church. He's never been back. Uh, whenever he was celebrating a, an anniversary and, or a birthday, and I sent a congratulatory letter to him, no response whatsoever. I mean, he, he just cut me off. Now, look. Here's what I'm getting at. It's one thing for you and I to get cut off by others, and you know how that hurts when somebody that you care about deeply just cuts you off out of, out of their life. Well, let me tell you, it grieves the heart of God whenever we cut Him off. When we get to that place that we just stop communicating with God... And uh, as though we didn't have any need, as though we don't have any problems, and all of a sudden we just never call upon His name, even though we're commanded to do so, we just don't. Whether it's because we're busy or whatever it is, we just don't. 
You know, the sad thing about it is, if God doesn't get our attention in one way, He He generally goes another route. Call upon me, notice he says, in the day of trouble. Now, here's here's the fifth thing and the main thing tonight that I want you to notice. And that is that God designates the purpose of prayer. He said, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. Have you ever thought about why prayer is such a delight to God? I mean, what's the big deal? Why is God so delighted when we pray? I mean, wouldn't God be more delighted, you know, if we quit praying and we just decided, okay, I'm not going to pray, but I'm going to double up on my giving. Would that make you happy, God? Well, no, it really wouldn't. Because excelling in one area never makes up for failure in another. God says, I want you to pray. I want to hear from you. I want you to call upon me. But why? What's God's motivation? What does God want to accomplish? Why does He care whether or not we pray? Well, let me give you the answer. The Bible gives us the answer in 1 John 4, 8 with these three words. God is... Love. Now, you might be wondering, what in the world does that have to do with this? God is love. It has everything to do with it. Because it is the very nature of love to give. And so whenever whenever you say God is love, you're saying God is a giver. In other words, that's God's nature. God doesn't need to get he is the self-sufficient God. Whenever he said, I'm the great I am, that's exactly what he was saying. I'm self-sufficient. I don't need anybody. I don't need anything. I'm self-sufficient. Paul said in Romans 11, verse 35, he said, Or who hath first given to him, and, and, and it shall be recompensed unto him again, for of him and for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. So the idea here is that no man can do anything to obligate God. God is the source, God is the means, and God is the end of all things. God doesn't need us. We need Him. And God is a giver. And since that is the very nature of God to give, then then God is anxious, as it were, to answer our prayers. Well, at this point you might be assuming that God delights in our prayers simply because our needs are met. And that would be a false assumption. You know, God is a God of love, so that means God is a giver, and God delights in our prayers because our needs are met. Now, that is of concern to God because God wants to meet the needs of His children. No doubt about it, but there's another factor here that needs to be considered, and the most important part of it where He says, And thou shalt glorify me. That is to say that when we ask and God answers, then we get the gift, But God gets the glory. And that's what prayer is all about. 
When God shows His greatness through grace in meeting our needs through prayer, it's magnifying His riches. It makes us rejoice. And this matter is so important that if we're going to have an effective prayer life, we've got to grasp this. This is what it's about. It's not just about you obeying God. It's not just about you getting from God. It's you glorifying God because that is our main function. Jesus said, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my Father's name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, let me show you how important this is. And maybe, you know, I mentioned the other day that back before I was saved, you know, I, I wondered, why am I here? What is life all about? Why do I exist? Isaiah 43 and verse 7 gives us the answer. Here's what God says about man. I have created him for my glory. That is the chief end of man. The old Westminster Catechism that was used so many years ago in answer to that question, what is the chief end of man? And the answer was the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To glorify God, to enjoy God forever. Look, Paul said, whether you eat or whether you drink or whatsoever things you do, therefore, he says, do all to the glory of God. And so that's what I want us to think about tonight, that prayer is not a minor matter. It's at the very heart of God's purpose. That that was His purpose for creating you. That's why you exist. That's why you're here on this earth, to glorify God. There's so many questions. Somebody says, well, you know, is it, is it okay if I do this? Would it be wrong if I did that? And on and on. we got all of these questions about what our conduct ought to be. And can I go here? And, you know, as a Christian, should I go there? You know, what, what should I do? This is the issue right here that ought to answer all of those questions. Will it glorify God? If it's going to keep you from glorifying God, then the answer is very obvious. Some preacher said years ago, and I, I can't remember who, but I jotted it down and put it in, in, in my notes. He said, the center of the created universe is man created in the image of God. And the meaning of man in the image of God is to display God's glory. And the way God delights to display His glory in man is by being depended on through prayer. It just doesn't get much greater than this. I want you to notice those words, depended on through Prayer. That's exactly what God wants us to do. He wants us to come humbly and yet boldly before the throne of grace as little children dependent upon the Father. Every parent here knows what it's like whenever you see one of your children expressing their trust in you and their need for you. You know, and, 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 and it, it does what? It delights your heart to do something to help them, right? Whenever you know that you're meeting a genuine need in their life and, and, and what have you, it delights your heart. Well, it delights the heart of God whenever He knows that you trust Him enough and you care about Him enough that you realize you need Him and you come to Him in prayer. So God 
Think about this now. God is more concerned about what you ask Him to do for you than He is about what you try to do for Him. Did you get it? God's more concerned about what you ask Him to do for you than He is about what you try to do for Him. Sometimes we, you know, some preachers have made the mistake of trying to reduce Christianity down to making it all about what we do for God. And, and if we're not careful, we can become legalist in that sense. Oh, we've got to please God, and in order to please God, we've got to do this and we've got to do that and so on and so forth. And look, it's not about legalism, it's about love. That, that's what it's all about, that we serve Him because that we love Him. And again, remember, God is self-sufficient, and it delights God whenever, whenever we acknowledge the greatness of His riches. To think that we would come to Him in our time of trouble, and that we would express our needs, and that glorifies God because it shows that we have confidence in Him, that He's able to do what it is that we need, and we trust Him enough that we're willing to ask Him. So when we pray... It puts us in harmony with God's purpose for the entire universe. If God created all things for His glory, and that's what the Bible says, and if God created you and I for His glory, if that's His main purpose in this life, then when I pray with the right attitude, now I am in harmony with God's purpose for the entire universe. And in case you're thinking that, you know, the pursuit of God's glory, you know, uh, uh, as your main goal is going to make you unhappy, you need to consider what Jesus said, because a lot of folks have the idea, you know, if I do all of the things the Bible tells me to do, if I take up my cross and follow Him, and if I devote myself entirely to Him, I'm going to be miserable. And, And we think of God as though He's some cosmic killjoy, trying to take all of the fun out of life. Listen what Jesus said in John 16, verse 24. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive... Now listen to these next words. That your joy may be full. You see, the product of pursuing God's glory is joy. So it's impossible for a person... Uh, to have fullness of joy unless they're living in close communion with the Lord, and prayer makes that possible. Somebody says, well, does God really care whether I'm happy or not? Is God really genuinely concerned about our joy? You bet He is. He is so concerned that He made it possible for us to have an eternal relationship with Him, an intimate fellowship with Him. Think, the one that is self-sufficient, all-sufficient, the one who has untold riches and unlimited power, makes Himself available for us in our time of trouble. I love the way John Piper put it. He said, in prayer we admit our poverty and God's prosperity, our bankruptcy and His bounty, our misery and His mercy. Therefore, prayer highly exalts and glorifies God precisely by pursuing everything we long for in Him and not in ourselves. So whenever I say, you know, or ask the question, does God want me to be happy? Yes, He does, but God wants you to find your happiness in Him, 
not apart from Him. That's the only place, by the way, that we can find true happiness. The last thing I want you to think about, you know, I said earlier, whenever we pray, it puts us in harmony with God's purpose for all of creation. So what happens when we are out of harmony with God's purpose for all creation? Well, think about a wandering star. You know, it, it gets out of orbit and what have what happens? When it gets out of orbit, it crashes and, and it burns. You know, you lay there at night, maybe as I did whenever I was a kid, looking up, watching for the, you know, the fallen stars. And boy, that would just always amaze me so much. And those stars, if they're out of orbit, you know, they're going to burn or a chunk of it or whatever, you know. Uh, uh, but the same thing happens in our life. Whenever my life is out of harmony with God's will, it's just a matter of time until I crash and burn. Just a matter of time until I end up ruining my, my own life. We become our own greatest enemy whenever that happens. Uh, God made the orbit. God said these, these are the boundaries. He established certain laws, guidelines, commandments, principles, precepts. God said, this is the way that I want you to live. And He did so not because He was wanting to restrict us, not because He was wanting to make us miserable. God wants to protect us. God wants to provide our needs. And outside of His will, you get out of that orbit, there is no safety whatsoever. The safest place you can be on the face of this earth is the center of God's will. And you cannot be there unless you do what God commands. Call upon me. Call upon me. I hope tonight that in just looking at this verse that it's made all of us more keenly aware of how important prayer is in our life. The purpose behind it is that God is glorified and that puts us in harmony with the entire universe so far as God's plan is concerned. You know, I realize that a lot of times the things that are most important don't get the most praise. Somebody that's able to really sing well, they can, you know, get up and sing, and, and everybody, well, that was wonderful, and, and, it, and it may be wonderful how well we can sing. Or maybe someone can give a large contribution, uh, and, and we're impressed by that. The church is in need, and somebody reaches out and says, I know the church has a great need at the moment, and, and I've been mightily blessed, and I, I'm going to give, and I'm going to meet that need. Thank God for members like that. Let me tell you right now, if you're just looking to get praise from people, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen whenever you pray. That's, people just aren't that impressed with prayer. But I tell you, it's the one thing you need more than anything. Call upon me. I'll answer you. Call upon me in your time of trouble. I'll answer you. And the result of that is that you can glorify me. Let's all stand together. Father, how we thank you tonight for the wonderful privilege of prayer. 
And Lord, we just shudder to think how awful it would be if suddenly you just cut off all communication. If suddenly our relationship with you was interrupted in such a way that we were unable to communicate with you and and that you cared nothing about communicating with us. So we counted a great privilege tonight that we're able to bring our petitions before your throne of grace. But Lord, impress upon our heart tonight that it's not just a matter of being a gracious invitation on your part, but it's an absolute command. Just like a command, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, all of the other commands in the Bible help us to understand that we are obligated, as the children of God, we're obligated to glorify you. And the best way we can do that is by is by coming to you in prayer and trusting you and watching you express your nature in our lives by giving to meet the needs of your children. And Lord, tonight there have been several things mentioned. We know there are unsaved folks uh, that lie heavy upon the heart of people here. Everybody here has somebody they're concerned about. And I just pray, Lord, that you'll save those that are lost, heal those that are sick, help those that are that are in need. And Lord, I just pray tonight as we leave here that we might leave determined more than ever before that we're going to be the kind of prayer warriors that this church needs, the kind of prayer warriors that our families need the kind of children that you'd have us to be, that we might please you in all things. For we ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you.